everybody. Welcome to episode 40 mm. of the Masterclass. 40, Dave. Kind of snuck up on us. I know. It's like we've been doing this for almost a year. Almost. Are we going to do a one-year anniversary show? Are we going to do a one-year anniversary show? Because, um, hmm. I mean, at this point, Dave, we're kind of going steady as far as being podcast partners is concerned. <laughs> <laughs> we've got to celebrate the anniversary, yes. Yep. Yeah, that's kind of a, makes me think a little, yeah. Well, we'll get back to you on that, dear listener. (laughs) But this is episode 40, and you are listening to the Masterclass. If this is not the podcast you anticipated, well, I suppose you could just stop listening, but I would encourage you to continue to listen, because we may say something intelligent. There's a, we got a, we got a shooter's chance, Dave. Yes. That's a basketball reference right a shooter's chance no hmm. oh, what am i thinking thinking of boxing a puncher's chance i don't know <laughs> it pretty much means yeah i i don't even see now they've definitely stopped listening and have moved on to the podcast they intended to listen to yes i have an effect on people i feel like no comment okay <laughs> <laughs> now i know it's true <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I was, I was actually going to share a. a uh, um, it is a puncher's chance. That's what it is. Rocky, had, Rocky had a puncher's chance. He wasn't yes. the greatest fighter, but <laughs> he had, had a puncher's, puncher's chance. chance. He yes. had heart, and if he hit you right, game over. Yes, you I are must correct. Break you. It's the wrong podcast, Dave. What am I doing? <laughs> what were you going to say? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not going to say anything. Okay, well, then let me share with our listeners something that I uh, stumbled across this week. Um, The Gospel Coalition, which uh, I believe Dave and I are both fans of. I know I am. I'm going to speak for him, and there's nothing you can do about it (laughs) because I've got the microphone. Uh, Has a fundraising event going on the entire month of December um, for what they're calling their Expository Preaching Project. And uh, the idea of the project is there's a $50,000 matching grant. So if they raise 50 grand, all of a sudden they have $100,000 to pour into this project in which they are going to, I will tell you here, um, build and distribute tools and teaching and curriculum and video and all that stuff to try and help teach Spanish speaking pastors in Central and South America the value of expository preaching to their local churches. And uh, we'll have a link to this in the show notes. But one of the examples they give is Jesus is a 37 year old Presbyterian pastor in La Ciba, Honduras, uh, a city with a population of about 120,000. So that's not a small city. Um, and it says 75% of the people that live there are Roman Catholic, which is not surprising. Um, and most evangelicals have succumbed to prosperity teaching or false doctrine. His church has 50 faithful members. He says, Jesus tires, tirelessly shepherds his flock, but like 85% of pastors in Latin America, Africa, and Asia, he has no seminary training, which is 
the only pastors in America that have no seminary training are the ones that lead the crazy churches and think that they're a Jesus coming back. <laughs> so the fact that this guy is 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 doing this without seminary training just shows you the state in which those areas of the world right. are. There is a lack of education um, for the folks that want to bring the gospel. And he says he just has six years of primary school. That's his, the extent of his education. Uh, it says he's bivocational, pastoring the church, and running an ice cream business to pay the bills and provide for his wife and two kids. Uh, in the cool Honduran mornings, Jesus consoles families and visits the six. In the evening, he leads small groups to prepare to preach on Sundays. He reads his Bible, consults the four books that he owns, and takes Sunday walks to the library to read and watch videos on the Gospel Coalition Spanish website. He recently emailed us in Spanish. I am in great need of training to rightly handle the word of God in my preaching. Can you help? So that's the example they provide. And I'm sure that there are many, many more um, like Jesus. I know from my personal experience um, in Ethiopia that this is the case. Obviously, they don't speak Spanish in Ethiopia. They speak a multitude of dialects um, that have nothing to do with Spanish whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the lack of education, the lack of resources, the lack of access to improving their understanding of Scripture, their understanding of counseling, their understanding of evangelism, is so minute that these that these men and women are they're just doing the best they can. Um, and so what this project allows is for people like Dave and me and you, the listener to send a couple bucks and help out these people by providing them with quality resources and education and training in their local language to help them better preach the word of God. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to share this with you guys this week because, you know, we're leading up to Christmas and now is the time of year when most people are, I get, well, I guess they're asked to give to everything this time of year. So maybe we should yeah. wait till like March to, <laughs> to do this. But the project ends on the 31st, the fundraising of it does anyways. So if you want to um, support the Gospel Coalition and their training and educating of these um Spanish-speaking pastors. The link will be in the show notes to take you to their website, and you can give a few bucks. So there you have it. Yeah, please check it out. All right, Dave. Mm-hmm. A few weeks ago, we asked a question. We wanted to know what resources our listeners were using. And last week, Jerome shared his, and we shared those with you. But we didn't have anyone... Oh, no. This week. I'm kind of sad. Yeah. Just, I'm not sure we have any other listeners to share. We do. Oh, okay. Not many more, but we have more. We have more. So anyways, I'm if you, listeners. dear listener, have websites, podcasts, books, blogs, churches, organizations, people in your life that you think are wise... We want to know about them because that's the sort of stuff that we enjoy and that we want to know about. Um, I guess I'm going to put myself on the spot here, Dave. Mm-hmm. I didn't plan this. What resources do I use? Let's think. Ninemarks.org. 
I like them a lot. We've mentioned them in previous episodes. Um, very intelligent, very mm-hmm. well thought, very um, willing to engage with the issues that our culture is facing. Um, J.I. Packer, mm-hmm. Dallas Willard. Uh, I'm currently reading a book by Alvin Plantinga, um, Where the Conflict Really Lies, and it's about science, religion, and naturalism. And his thesis is that there is superficial conflict um, between science and religion and superficial concord between science and naturalism, but underlying concord between science and religion and massively underlying discord between science and naturalism. So his, his thesis is that there's science and religion have way more in common than we care to admit. And science and naturalism have way less in common Hmm. than we care to admit, which is going to essentially it, it kind of calls naturalistic Folks that have a naturalist view and are heavy on science, it calls them to account for the inconsistencies between the two while also showing that science and, and he calls it, he's a Christian, but he, he speaking specifically about theistic religions, so Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, how what we know about science and the world around us is far more compatible with theistic religion than it is with the naturalism that it pervades society what is naturalism um god does not exist uh the world happened by chance you know years and years and and then cosmic gook and then we all evolved from tadpoles and uh the world is just a giant clock and now i that's a very very general overview but it's essentially what you see is what you get science is the bar there is no god we are natural mm-hmm. beings created out of a world, out of evolution, and that is it. And so he pairs, not pairs, he puts, he puts science to the test, classic Newtonian science, and then more modern like uh, metaphysics and, and um, theoretical physics and, and all that stuff, and then ties it in with a religion. And I'm only like 95 pages in, but <laughs> it's still really good. So if you like me are interested in those things. It's definitely worth a read. Hmm. I'll have a link in the show notes. Interesting. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any other things that I check regularly, but that's really about it. Thanks for asking Dave. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything you need to add before we, not, not anything you need, anything you would like to add. This is your podcast as well, sir. Um, you know, just, uh, watched uh, the theory of everything which is kind of the love story believe it or not of um steven that's such a good movie steve hawking it's a very good movie that's so good and um throughout it and then i'm sure i ruined it for my daughters because they watched it with me and they're whether well caroline will freely admit it olivia not so much they're both very hopeless romantics of me getting Olivia all, is? Yeah, she doesn't want to admit. That's what I mean. Interesting. <laughs> and she'll get mad at me for saying that. So, um, but anyway, I kept being like, all he wants to do is prove there's God. He believes in God. And, 
Uh, and until it's he just, doesn't, until he doesn't, but he does, and that's. I mean, it's just funny. I'm, I I watch that and I hear him, and I'm convinced that. Um. Well, I think it's what we're all wired to do is to seek our Creator. But I just, even in the things that I hear him saying, even when he decides that there is no God, the things here I hear him saying about his theories, I'm like, you are looking for God. And God is just putting it right there in front of you in terms of science, mm-hmm. going, I'm awesome, and you will never be able to understand me. No matter how smart you are. No matter how smart you are, but yet there's just this awesome order to everything that he's created. It's just not in a way that our finite minds can can understand it. So, yeah, the, um, one, the one book I have by Stephen Hawking is called God is in the Integers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I'm not ready because it, it scares <laughs> me to death. It's like three inches thick, and I bought it when I was like 20. I was like, I'm going to read this, and I'm 29 now, and I still haven't read it. Yeah. It just sits on my bookshelf taunting me. Because, I mean, I'm smart, but <laughs> not that not, smart. <laughs> not even remotely in the same ballpark as a guy like Stephen Hawking. Yeah. I'm certainly not stupid, but that, I mean, the, the specifically the area in which his intelligence, I mean, he's smart, but like theoretical physics. Yeah. I took honors physics as a senior and I think I got a B and that's like a cakewalk, you know, F equals M a Dave. That's it. Like, and that's actual physical physics like you could yeah and kind he's of, he's like doing the math where there's no numbers and it's just letters and then I'm, like, eh, I'm done can't do it anymore can't do it so anyway that is a good movie um and i again i just think god um god's fingerprints are all over his life whether he wants to admit it or not and he's kind of an interesting case to me of it's it it, it literally for him i feel like um, uh, well, this is a complete tangent, not that we're not already on one, but, um, write it out, Dave. So many ones when I was a youth went to a, a deal where it talked about God forgives our sins and our sins are as far as the East is from the West. So if we take a globe and we go to the North on our globe, we eventually run to the North pole and we're running South again. Okay, so now if we take a globe and we go east, we never ever run into the west. We're constantly going east. You never run into the west the way you do with the north and the south. So that's how far the east is from the west. You can never go one direction and catch the other. However, if you stop and do a 180 degree turn, there it is instantly. And I feel like that's the case with him. It's literally just a simple just turn and look the other way. And your east is going to catch up with your west. And uh, boy, I, I I feel like I'm trying to describe quantum physics now. Why, why did you just melt my brain? So, okay, hold on. The globe. How is that possible? Uh, that I you could that. go north and then eventually you turn there's south. A pole. There's a north pole and a south pole. So if you go north and south, you run into a pole, and then you're but running the opposite east, direction. So east and west is east and west is just totally arbitrary. East this. and west is arbitrary, yeah. And so when it says it's just he relative our, to where you are. And so when he says that he forgives our sins as far as the east is from the west. Oh, that's so weird. If you go east, you never catch up to the west, and if you go west, you never catch up to the east, unless 
you repent. And what does repent mean? It means to turn and go, go the other direction. direction. <laughs> wow. And so as I watch Stephen Hawking, I so desire for him to know Jesus because I feel like uh, I put him in that category of a Paul, you know, somebody that is so passionate about what they believe and so passionate about being right. I just want God to show up for Stephen Hawking and go, uh, I'm going to honor your efforts of trying to seek truth and I'm going to reveal myself to you. So that's my prayer for Stephen Hawking. Anyway, science, creation, naturalism. I'm still running around <laughs> in my head. So like I said, it's one of my favorite illustrations. Yeah. Wow. Well, I could have used that, you know, a few years ago <laughs> when I was a youth pastor. Thanks, Dave, for not telling me about that. So, yeah. All right. Anyways, I think that leads us to actually to, getting to. Well, now, I'm just I mean, kidding. I don't want to say that what we say is as important as the Bible because it's clearly not. But there's a reason why we talk about stuff before we get to the Bible. Dave. Sure. Because theoretically, it's helpful. Well, now, I am a bit biased. <laughs> <laughs> but, yes, let us get to the, uh, the meat of our discussion. Hopefully it's been prepared medium rare. Mm. I had steak for dinner. I had Sloppy was, Joes. Ooh. <laughs> See, you know, Sloppy Joes, I feel like, are underrated. They, they are, are quite delicious. Quite delicious. Yep. See, now I'm thinking about my steak with the <laughs> caramelized garlic, a little butter on top. Mm. Very nice. Glass of red wine. It was fabulous. But now, no one cares. So let's get to the Bible. Sounds good. All right. We're going to take a look at Matthew 11 25 through 30. At that time, Jesus. Wait, stop. Oh, sorry. Nope, you're not. I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting you, Dave. Mm -hmm. We didn't tell people where they could share their resources with us. Oh, that, we, is, that, was, that was actually the purpose of what we were all, talking yeah, about. Yeah, see, Stephen Hawking distracted me. So, <laughs> this is going so great. All right, if you want to share your favorite book or author or pastor or podcast or whatever. Mm -hmm that you find helpful in continuing to understand what it means to be a Christian, you can email us, uh, masterclassfm at gmail.com, or you can send us a tweet, which would be at masterclassfm, and we will gladly receive those suggestions. And probably share them as well. Unless, of course, you know, one of your suggestions is the Westboro Baptist Church, in which case, no, we will not. Mm -mm. Especially because we're so close to them. <laughs> Physically speaking, not. Oh, yes. And I've had far too many conversations with people from that church. So actual conversations. Oh, were, yes. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That'll be our one year anniversary show. <laughs> what you need to know about those people. Uh, you need to know is just avoid them and yeah, they picketed 
pray that God has mercy on their last souls. Year. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. And, and our pastor had to explain to his um, seven-year-old son what a whore was because it was on one of their signs. Nice. So you know, go Jesus. Yeah. Anyways, I'm not sure that was worth the interruption. I apologize. David, would you please continue? Sure. So we're back at Matthew 11, 25 through 30. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All right. Thank you, sir. Yep. Okay. So why would God hide things from those that are wise and understanding? Um... You know, and I'm not going to say this is 100% right, but I kind of had this moment as I was reading this verse of uh, Jesus being, can I say snarky? He's about as snarky as he ever gets because, um, so like we we skipped a bit um, to get to this point. Yeah, we about 20 verses. Yeah. And um, back at verse 20, he denounces the city where most of his works had been done because they didn't repent. And he kind of goes through a whole bunch of them and compares them to uh, the cities of Sodom and uh, tells them that it'll be more tolerant for the day of judgment for them, uh, for Sodom, than it is for them. And I feel like he just all of a sudden has this moment of, Woe to you. You know, he's kind of preaching, really going at it. And then he's like, kind of goes into this. I'm just going to pray for you right now. Thank you, Father, for heaven and earth that you've hidden these things from wise. I mean, it's kind of like this. And I don't know that Jesus would do this because he's God and he, he's awesome. But I just had this moment of he's kind of given this underhanded slam in a prayer by saying, thank you, God, that you have hidden these things from these people. And, um, I guess if I had been in that room and he had suddenly started praying that about me, I'd be like, Oh, Whoa, wait a minute. That's, he's not being very nice right now. He's really kind of, uh, given a backhanded, um, jab at us. Um, and ultimately, um, God, he, he is giving God the glory for this. And, um, as I thought a little bit further, I wondered if um, instead of being snarky and kind of an underhanded, undermined compliment, or not compliment, but a jab or an insult to these people, if he didn't kind of catch himself, you know, he's like in this moment of, you know, if Sodom had been in your situation, they would have repented. And he's getting himself just kind of worked up. And he kind of recenters himself by going, okay, God, I thank you. Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from wise and the understanding, reveal them to little children. Yes, Father, 
for your uh, for such was your gracious will. Kind of recentering himself because I, I I do feel like he's kind of getting worked up here and upset that these people are not getting the message. They're not paying attention, and it's like this little voice, this little uh, whatever goes off in his head that he's like, okay, this is not in you know. Uh, me here in the earth, on the earth, I am obedient to my father's will. And I get that not everybody's going to hear what I'm saying. They're not going to repent and they're not going to obey. And I don't know that I'm articulating this in the way um, that I think that I wanted to articulate it, but ultimately I think we are seeing a little bit of Jesus's human side in this moment leading up to these verses in terms of if you were Sodom, you would be repenting. Why are you not? Why are you not getting this message that I am presenting to you? And instead of uh, getting totally focused on the negative, he goes, "Okay, I'm going to take a time out. And I'm going to pray." <laughs> <laughs> Did Jesus ever get put in time out, Dave? Probably not. He probably put himself there. But yeah, I, 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 I guess there's an element of, I, I do believe as I read this multiple times and looked at it over and over again, um, I genuinely have a sense of him being aware of his human side. Feel free to disagree. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm processing. It was my day off today, so my processing speed is a little bit slower. A little lower. Um, yeah, it's it, it is interesting that that he does go through all of those woes to these people and then dives into the this verse here in 25. Um and it it just strikes me as uh well very interesting that it is okay that God is hiding these things from the from the people that Jesus refers to as wise and understanding. So these aren't idiots. They're not, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, bad guys per se. They are people that their friends and family would consider wise and knowledgeable. And Jesus is saying, "Thank you for hiding these things mm-hmm. from such." wise and, and understanding people uh, and, but that you've also revealed them to children, which leads me to my next question. And, and maybe after this question, we can kind of sum our, th- sum up our thoughts on this is how can children understand things that wise adults cannot? Because I believe this to be true. Oh, I do too. But it doesn't make sense on the surface. So help me out here. Um, I guess to me, it does make a little bit of sense. Um, I think children keep things simple. Uh, They, they don't, um, you know, we spend our lifetime learning how to mask how we really feel about things. It's so messed up. It is very messed up. And I'm not sure, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things I've kind of wrestled with in terms of, why do we work so hard to mask how we feel about things? Um, 
and I, I haven't like arrived at this conclusion of, yeah, that's the way it should be, or no, we shouldn't be that way. I, I, I still don't know because I think there is an element of we have to grow up. I think there's an element of, of those sort of things, but there is something very, very wrong about, um, that we have, we, that we learn to mask our true feelings. And, um, so I think that is, I think that's one of the things that's going on here is children tend to not complicate things. And as we get older, we do tend to complicate I that. I think we look for the complications because we expect them. As we, like, as we get older, we, we, we have experienced enough crap mm-hmm. and enough of this hiding how we really feel and trying to read what's really going mm-hmm. on that we look for the complication in most situations. Whereas kids just kind of see it as it is. They don't have, they've not been jaded enough. Like I, it reminds me of, um, and I've not watched this show yet, um, but there's a preview on Netflix for Aziz Ansari's new show, Master of None. Mm-hmm. And he walks into some like ice cream or bakery and the kid goes, Asian woman, black man. And he goes, Stop <laughs> yelling people's ethnicities out. But it's just, it's the simple, like they're just, Nothing's complicated. That's an Asian woman. That's a black man. Like, Mm -hmm. let's just call it the way it is. And whereas adults were very nuanced and and intelligent about the, you know, emotional structure of the room. It's like, no, we're we're all playing the game of she says she's okay, but what's really going on? And we just we we kind of, I think, uh assume that life is far more complicated than it really is. Yeah. Because if it's not complicated, then what are we doing all this effort? What are we giving all this effort for to cover up how we really feel or, you know, how you doing? I'm fine. No, you're not fine. Yeah. (laughs) No, we're not. (laughs) No one's fine, (laughs) but we have to be fine to keep up. Whoever decided like you've got to keep up with the Johns or the Joneses or whatever, like, I have very strong words for you, but like we, we have all somehow signed this social contract that everything is okay all the time. And yeah. it's total bull crap, but we yep. all somehow yet still feel like we have to play this game. Absolutely. I don't get it. I don't get it either because I so often want to speak what it is that I'm really feeling and what I really think. And that's where I said I haven't arrived at anything because I'm kind of like, well, where does what's what is it that keeps me from doing that? Is it glor- to glorify God? Probably not. And that it's really should be social pressure. Well, I'm sure it's social pressure, but um, I also don't want to get fired either. <laughs> <laughs> and it all comes back to money. To money, it's all about money. Yeah, getting fired's bad though. Yeah. And so I was quitting your job, but what would I know about that? And so, um, so yeah, I, um, I think Jesus again in this, in this moment, um, he has the ability because he knows that God can reveal these truths to people. And ultimately he knows God is in control and, and, um, gives God the glory that he deserves. But I do think there's an element of um, we have to own um, 
when it says these things are are hidden from the wise and the understanding and that he's revealed them to children um we've sort of put ourselves in that situation and children by have not. eating the fruit of the tree by eating the fruit of the tree by being consumed by uh pleasing man and not pleasing god um I just, I, I don't think any of us truly comprehends just how sinful we are and just how much God really does accept us right where we are. Um, because, I mean, that is the thing that I think I hide from myself the most is this deception of I've got my act together, I'm doing the right things. And the reality is, is I do not. I mean, I'm such a sinner and... Yeah, and and I think the reason why people do not understand, or not, not it's not that they don't understand, as I think that they refuse to admit, because those are two different things. Yeah, um, I think that most people refuse to admit the depth of their sin, but also the depth of God's love for them. Because if you admit that. If you come to the decision that, oh my gosh, I am this just awful sinner, and yet still God loves me enough to save me, that has to change you. Mm-hmm. It is such a deep, revelatory um, thought that you cannot have that thought and not want to change. Like, it'd be one thing if like, oh, you know, I mean, I... I, I took an extra cookie from the bakery. Oh, God forgives me that sin. Not a big deal because it wasn't a big offense. But when you get to the basics of the gospel is we are sitting dead. We are done. Game over. Hell for eternity. Mm-hmm. God sees our situation and isn't like, well, it's not that bad. No, he's like, it's terrible. But still, even in the midst of your terribleness, I choose to come in and pull you out of that. The minute we admit to that and understand the love required for that action, it has to change our view of life. And so if we don't quite admit that, then we can just kind of play dumb. We're like, oh, I mean, I'm not that bad. I'm a good person overall. We're, we're, we're kind of hedging because we don't want to change and we don't want somebody else to tell us how to live our lives. No. And so I just, it, to me, it's like the reason Jesus gets so upset here. And like you said, has to recenter himself is he is bringing this truth to people. And they're just like, blah, blah, don't want to hear it. Yeah, bro. You're from where? Oh, what good can come from Bethlehem? Like every excuse we can throw to not admit our situation because we don't want to change, which is so stupid. <laughs> Because if there's one thing that should change, it's our situation. But because it's our situation, we don't want somebody else to come in and tell us how to change it. It's so messed up. Yeah. And I hate being human right now. (laughs) Um, I know there are people that are much smarter than me that have um, associated this term with what Jesus did for us. Um. But the word imputation has kind of this, um, it's become a real negative to me. Uh, my understanding is, is this is kind of an accounting term, and it has been 
No one likes accounting. And no one likes accounting. <laughs> but it has been associated with what Jesus did for us in terms of our sin was a debt and he paid off our debt for us. And uh, like I said, there's people that are much smarter than me that came up with this term or associated this term with Christianity. But I just have lately just felt like this so falls short for what it is that I have really done in terms of a debt well, and him a, paying it for me. A debt is just money. Yeah. It's not life. It's just money. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, Which you would think would, would ring, you know, <laughs> strongly with Americans because everything's about money. Yeah, that's true. But... I'm well, with you. I'm with maybe you. that's one of the reasons why it came into to, to popularity, but... I mean, I am grateful that he died for my sins and um, I have eternal life because of that. But uh, much like we've we've talked about in this, I just think there's so much more to this. There's that desire of being in a relationship with him and knowing the kingdom of heaven now. And um, even as I say this, and I just know how much I fall short, uh, I can't even begin to comprehend this. He is so willing to go, quit being so hard on yourself, you know? And it's just, I can't even begin to comprehend it. So, again, um, uh, I think we complicate things far more than we need to because children are simple, and I think when it all comes down to it, as awesome and as majestic as he is, I think God is simple too and just wonders why we make it so complicated. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know about you, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of surprised that I don't know this, but like, I remember, or I, I have memories of whether they're fabricated or I know this actually happened. I don't remember if my memories are of my dad telling me and then me recreating them or me actually remembering. But when I was five, that's when I had to talk with my dad about God and Jesus mm-hmm. and the Bible and hell and, and all that stuff. And I prayed the prayer or whatever that is. But that, that was the moment in my life where I started to, uh, it was my dad was coming to tuck me into bed. I remember we were, me and my two sisters were all in the same room because we were all still young enough that it was, you know, contained chaos. Um, and I remember my dad coming in to tuck us all, you know, in and, and say goodnight. And uh, I remember talking to him about, Jesus, you know, probably based on what I heard at church, you know, the previous weeks and, and wanting to know more about this Jesus guy. And and if, if a five-year-old kid can understand enough about the gospel and about Jesus to go, I want to know more, mm-hmm. why, why do we feel the need to complicate it. Like that's not to that's not to say <laughs> like true. that's not to say that we should not seek greater knowledge cuz God calls us to that. That's not to say that we should not seek further education right. because we should, but in the grand scheme of all of the stuff that we deal with in adult life, like if a 5-year-old can get can grasp it to go, "Oh, that's the best thing I've ever heard." That's better my parents love I mean, I I had a great upbringing. My parents were together. My parents loved me. I had a great extended family. We had everything like I, we were upper middle class. Like I had it good, good education, good family, good people, good friends, food, clothes, extracurricular activities. Like I had everything life could offer. And even as a five-year-old, I was able to see that Jesus was able to offer me more 
mm-hmm. than, and that's not, that's not to make me sound good. That's the sole intent of that is to show you how good Jesus is that even in the midst of my affluence as a five-year-old, I was like, there's something more that only he can offer. Yeah. And I didn't have a full grasp of it. Like I don't now I have a much better grasp of it now, 24 years later. Um, but if it's something so obvious that a five-year-old in the midst of, you know, food and clothes and friends and family and Nintendo can go, Oh, that's different. Mm-hmm. That's better. Why, why do we as adults struggle? Make so it so like, I just don't We're It's, we're, it's like, we're trying so hard that we miss the obvious. Have you seen, there's a video. Um, I'm sure you've seen it where there's this team passing a basketball and a guy in a gorilla suit walks across yeah. the screen and some absurd percentage of people totally miss the gorilla. Yeah. Don't ever even see him. It's kind of like that to me. Like we're, as adults, we're so intent on watching the basketball that we don't see this giant gorilla of good news. <laughs> That's the show title. Um, <laughs> walking across the screen saying, hey, the, uh, pay attention to me. Yes. But we're so intent on the game of passing the basketball that we miss the obvious difference. Yeah. And I don't get it. It's interesting that you say that because that is a huge thing that I'm trying to comprehend uh, right now, um, even in my job in a practical, uh, pragmatic way of what I do in terms of, um, one that I know police shootings and all that kind of stuff are, are forefront in the news right now. And I am not by any means trying to define, defend anybody in this, but I am, I'm realizing that, uh, what the camera sees and what the camera catches is not per se what that officer sees and perceives in what he does in the action he takes. Not thinking about anything in particular or nothing in specific, but I just think we have this mentality of, well, it's on camera. He must see what I see. That is not true. And I believe that wholeheartedly. And then the second piece of this is, um, in my current position, I have people that call in and complain on how officers handled a call or did something. And uh, being a very new in this position as a sergeant that came off midnights, <laughs> I had a very short fuse and I had a, my perception of how things were. And I, I'm sort of starting to realize that when these people say these things to me over the phone, they aren't lying. They aren't... Um, trying to get somebody in trouble. They truly believe what it is that they are saying. They believe that they had this experience. And so in the same way that officers involved in shooting, we can't totally comprehend just because the the camera sees it. And when somebody calls me in and tells me something that I'm like, well, that's not logical. Uh, it's very much there. And then there's even a show on uh, national geographic called brain games, which has multiple scenarios like the guys playing basketball with the gorilla where Mm -hmm. you will see an event and you will think, you know what happened and they'll play it back to you and you don't. And, um, I guess, um, in my ramblings and all of this, again, what I'm just trying to say is that, uh, we so totally buy into what our perception is. We so totally buy into what it is that we believe we believe that we really need to step back. Uh, we really need to listen to people that we trust and value their opinion and um, have them speak truth into our life. And I believe that the Bible can be this as well. 
um, because for some reason that I'm probably not articulating very well, uh, we have a very myopic view of the world. And um, if I had to sum that all up, it's because of sin. And it is uh, amazing to me. And I'm, I, I tell you, as I'm pointing one finger at you, I'm pointing three back at me. And I truly believe that in this moment of, <laughs> um, well, <laughs> I totally lost my thought now. Sorry. Um, no, you're fine. Um, that uh, it, we are very sinful. And um, I think we're being genuine and honest and truthful in a lot of the things that we say. And we just, we have it wrong. And I think that's much of what's going on here in these verses in a roundabout way, uh, viewing the world from my perspective, my eyes, my lens, and not so much uh, globally and uh, from a God perspective. So anyway, hope that makes some sense. (laughs) Yes. All right. Okay, Dave. Mm Mm-hmm. What the heck is verse 27 about? It's like a weird, like, Russian doll logic problem that I, <laughs> I, I just want you to tell me about it because I don't want to think for myself. <laughs> tell me what I should believe. Um, I, I think there's, um, again, you have to take this one in the context of where we are in uh, the book of Matthew. And talking with his disciples and just in the situation that he's in. And um, he's he's revealing a bit more about himself in terms of um, he and the Father are one. And um, if you know God, then you know Jesus. If you know Jesus, then you know God. And um, there's, there's certainly this... Um, final piece to that of um, not so much us choosing God, but God choosing us. And although that can be controversial if you get real deep into that, but... Um, Are you a Calvinist, Dave? I am a Calvinist. You've, you've outed me. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think I am too. <laughs> um, we should have a conversation about that. <laughs> we probably should, yeah. It's just as we're sitting here talking, our... our uh, our conversion stories, and then even uh, what we believe on some pretty core issues. So, um, so yeah, I think there's this element of even what we were talking about last week with John the Baptist, um, and him kind of going, "Okay, are you really who you say you are?" and all that kind of stuff. I, I, there, um, to use a cliche, there's a paradigm shift here. We're going from expecting the Messiah to be a king that sits on a literal throne on the earth to uh, a Messiah that is going to choose to die on the cross for our sins and have a literal throne in the kingdom of heaven and earth when when uh, we're all done with our time here and uh, there is a new heaven and a new earth as described in the book of Revelation which is very clear-cut and easy <laughs> to understand. Again, we need to go back to being little children and accepting what Jesus says. All right. Well, 
Yeah, we'll just move on. We've got other questions to ask. Mm -hmm. All right. So, um, you wrote this, these next two things, mm -hmm. right? Okay, yep. good. Because I had no recollection of writing them, and I was getting really concerned. <laughs> Just, yes. Like missing parts of my memory. Okay. Absolutely. Glad we cleared that up on the air. <laughs> All right. So you wrote, if, uh, if I am tired and heavy laden, the last thing I want is a yoke around my neck. Jesus says we will find rest for our souls because his yoke is easy. How is this possible? Um, yeah. Um, I'm assuming that, uh, folks know what a yoke is. I don't, I'm from Detroit. Dave. You don't. And you're from Detroit. Yokes don't exist there. I'm assuming. <laughs> I didn't know 4-H was a thing until I moved here. No 4-H in Detroit. Not in the city. No, <laughs> maybe out in the farms, but. So basically, um, it's, uh, a wooden piece that is put around the neck of two different animals and the two different animals then are pulling a plow or a cart and the idea is that obviously two animals working together um, would have more power than an animal uh, working alone um, but interestingly one of the things that I have learned about a yoke um, and I'm going to do a shout out to uh, a friend that I haven't talked to in many years. His name is Craig Babb. Uh, we used to work at a church together. Um, but Craig, Craig taught me a lot about what a yoke is all about. And basically what happens with a yoke is you have an older animal that knows the job, knows the route, knows how to do uh, what it is that the master wants you to do. And you yoke him with a younger animal and he learns from the older animal. And so... It's pretty clever. It is pretty clever. So if I think about um, the idea of how I do life, which would be by myself, pulling the plow, just spinning my wheels, so to say, um, uh, if I had that choice versus, okay, instead of doing it on your own, by yourself clueless, not having any idea how to do it. And, oh, you can be yoked with an older, uh, wiser person who knows how to do this, i.e. Jesus, and um, learn from him, then, well, the idea of having a yoke around my neck with somebody that's been there and I can learn from um, is much more appealing than doing it under my own power where I have no idea what I am doing. So I never heard that before. I'm hoping that that is why he says this. He's kind of given this quit doing it by yourself and come learn from me. So sort of this thing. is what you're saying is this is where the footprints poem comes from. This is, this is where footprints come from. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is then that I carried you. Oh gosh. <laughs> you know, and it's just so funny because so many of those things probably in their origin have such good intentions and great meanings, but they just get so, <laughs> yes. Well, no, I I had never um, heard that explanation of the purpose of a yoke before. Yeah. And that seems to make a ton of sense to me. Mm -hmm. It It's kind of like Jesus is calling us to apprentice with him. 
yep. which is kind of what discipleship was. Yep. The rabbi would call disciples and he would teach them how to be a rabbi and all of his knowledge and he would pass it on and then they would do this in the same on and on and on. And that's, that's the mold of discipleship, right? Is follow me as I follow God. That's Paul mm-hmm. says that. Um, and so this idea of coming alongside somebody that wants to teach you and show you the correct way is all over Jesus teachings. Yep. Um, but like I said, not knowing what a yoke or cows are really for besides <laughs> eating, um, I did not know that. So that's, I'm going to have to think on that one for a while. Cause that's, I mean, that's a very clear picture that up until two minutes ago, I did not see. <laughs> well, and it's hopefully what, what, um, we are pointing people towards in terms of, of the master class. You and I are not the masters. We are sitting at the feet of the master and Jesus is the master. And here is a very concrete illustration of that, of coming alongside the master and learning from him. And again, the idea of having a yoke around my neck is not appealing, but I'd rather be yoked with Jesus than trying to do it by myself. So I'm just picturing you walking in circles <laughs> over in the corner. I'm making up so much ground, guys. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> so, and then the other thing, uh, Craig Babb, um, he actually has a ministry that's called Rhythms of Grace. And in the message version of the Bible, when you read this and it talks about um, being yoked with Christ, uh, the the translation, the way it says, is learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I just think that speaks volumes to um, really kind of from the beginning of our show today, believe it or not, what we've been talking about is that if I think about my way of doing things, it's difficult. It's I just make it harder on myself. Um, I think there's an element of Jesus even saying to me, you know, if Sodom was in your position, they would have gotten it a long time ago. (laughs) Why are you so thick headed? And Jesus is literally saying, come along with me and learn the unforced rhythms of grace because I force so many things. I plow through life in so many ways instead of slowing down coming next to Jesus and going, I know you got this. I know you're there with me. And um, honestly, um, some of the things that we've touched on before too, I think central to unforced rhythms of grace are learning to do the spiritual disciplines. And if we can learn to do things like solitude and being, you know, fasting and being in quiet and just, you know, doing the things that he has giving, given us, uh, we can discover um, uh, what it means to uh, live in unforced rhythms of grace. So that's my thought on that. All right. <laughs> well, I think that brings us yep. to the end of episode 40 to the end so if you uh dear listener would care to get in contact with us you can either rewind (laughs) when we told you this before or you can just email us 
masterclassfm at gmail.com or get us on Twitter at masterclassfm. You can get Dave on Twitter as well at 108HBO, where eight is the only numeral. And uh, you can tweet to me at Cam Brennan. And if you want the show notes, which will have links to all of the stuff that we talked about today, you can get those where, Dave? Uh, you can go to uh, masterclassfm.com slash masterclass slash 40. That was almost perfect. Was it almost? <laughs> <laughs> you paused just a little too long. Oh, I'm sorry. <sighs> it's okay. You can repent later. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. Any final thoughts, Dave? Nope. Just appreciate people listening. and Agreed. Many we'll thanks. S- yeah. We'll Auf see you next time. Have a Thanks. Bye.